Welcome to the No Neutral Moments Podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and it's my pleasure to discuss, to explore, and maybe even to discover what it means for each one of us to live our lives fully engaged, to challenge each one of us to be fully aware, and completely expecting to engage to the fullest everything we've been designed, called, and gifted to be. So with all this in mind, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get engaged. Well, welcome back to the No Neutral Moments podcast. My name is Patrick Payton. I get the privilege of this journey with you. And again, just thank you so much for engaging with us in this journey and being a part of this No Neutral Moments journey. Again, thank you to those who have been sponsoring. They don't want us to say their names, but thank you for those who have been sponsoring the podcast. And as always, a huge thank you to Joe and Tyler, who make this thing happen all the time. Well, this is really part two of the podcast I started last week, this whole discussion of the fight over fear. What do we do with fear? And and as I told you in the last podcast, uh, the reason I started talking about this was because of what we have been going through here in Midland, what we have been going through in the Permian Basin. And oftentimes when we talk to people, there's a discussion leads to, well, I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of this happening. And and, and I'm afraid of the economy failing, or I'm afraid of my health failing, or I'm afraid of failing in general. And so I thought I would take the time to go over these 12 things that I have taught over the years to maybe help you uh, get a grip, so to speak, on the fear that you wrestle with and maybe even help you overcome some of your fears that you have. And so last week, we talked about how fear rejects the truth of great inherent value in your life. We also talked about how fear, fear tells you a lot about your focus and how focused you become maybe on the wrong thing. And that's what you become fearful of. We talked about how fear can immobilize you, cause you not to move. And we talked about how fear can drive you back to the safety and security of really a place of captivity rather than a place of freedom. And so this week I want to continue ahead, which means we're going to start with what is really the fifth point about fear in this in this lesson that I'm trying to teach you. And so here we go. We're just going to dive right in. And here it is. Fear seeks certainty, often at the expense of something greater. So here it is again. Fear seeks certainty, often at the expense of something greater. You know, anytime somebody tells you they're going to do something and there's a risk associated with it, and And they say something like, well, I'm not afraid. Well, I think that's probably not true because there is some good, healthy fear when you try something new or you go into some new endeavor because it oftentimes keeps you alert and keeps you aware. But oftentimes when we think about new endeavors, when we think about new paradigms, new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things, when we think about new adventures, when we think about society and culture changing around us, oftentimes we, we, we go backwards into a sense of certainty rather than pushing into the idea of possibly something greater, even with the idea that we might fail in it. And time and time again, you see people and you talk to people who have never tried something that was a dream of theirs or never pushed into a possible opportunity Because there was the fear of the unknown, or as I said in this point, this idea that fear oftentimes seeks certainty, but oftentimes that's at the expense of something greater. Let me give you another example. If you have been hurt 
In relationships, oftentimes you will stop trying to build relationships. You will stop putting yourself out there in relationships. And instead, you'll almost go into your shell and recluse into the certainty of not having friends rather than the risk of something greater in a friendship you might have never discovered even as you keep pressing into something where you have been hurt before. So here's the question you have to ask yourself. Whatever you're thinking about doing, wherever you're thinking about going, whatever it is that you're working on in your mind and in your life, if you find yourself trying to eradicate or get rid of all uncertainty, and if you're finding yourself trying to make sure you're certain and totally certain there's a good chance you might be letting fear take hold of you and you might be missing something greater. So let me go to the next one. So the first one was fear seeks certainty, often at the expense of something greater. Here's the next one. Fear will default to the practical. Here's three things, the practical, the tried and the true, and even the data. Let me say it again. Fear often defaults to what is practical. Well, it just seems practical to do this. Or the tried and true. You hear phrases like, well, this is the way we've always done it. Or the data. Someone shows you some data that should prove that you shouldn't do something. And so fear drives you to take that rather than, and here's the opposite of almost all of this, your gut. Now, I know some of my good friends don't like me talking about listening to your gut. Let me give you another phrase. Listening to your heart, listening to your soul, listening to your inner voice, listening to your inner drive. But a lot of times what keeps you from moving forward is there's just a sense that maybe it doesn't make much sense. Maybe it wasn't the way we always did things. And I have a little bit of information in front of me that says this may not work. But remember, There's no promises in anything that you do. When we were starting Stonegate Fellowship, I remember pressing into some things that may not have seemed very practical. We were going to do some things as a church that weren't the tried and true way of doing things. And we were going to do some things that seemed to be a little bit against the data of the denomination in which we came out of. But the fact of the matter is what would hold us back was not being willing to risk and defaulting to the way that things have been, the way that things have always seemed to be, or what seemed practical to us. Now, be careful, because just just because I'm saying fear defaults to the practical, the tried and the true, and the data doesn't mean that you should you shouldn't do things that aren't or that are practical. I'm having a hard time getting those words out, but if sometimes things just are practical and you should do them. Sometimes there is a tried and true way to do something and you should do it. And sometimes there's some data that tells you this may or may not be a good idea. What I'm trying to teach you is be careful when you're using those things as excuses because you know deep inside there's a sense of fear that you're having to get over in order to move into something new. That's what these tests are that I'm telling you. They're not necessarily bad. As a matter of fact, the first one I told you, fear seeks certainty. Well, you can take the opposite of that and say, well, wisdom seeks certainty as well. Only you know if you're operating out of fear. And that's where that comes down to that voice inside of you. For instance, number six that I just told you, fear defaulting to the practical. Whenever my wife and I left our career, 
over 20 years ago to pursue a different career in full-time vocational ministry, it didn't seem very practical to some people. It didn't really seem like a tried and true way for a career. But we had to check ourselves and say, what's motivating us? Fear of failure? Or are we willing to try something new and the opportunity of something greater, and we're not going to be afraid of failure? Let's go to the next one. Fear, and this is going to be more of one of those issues that I talk about with my Christian faith. Fear is the absence of an adequate object of worship. Now, let me say this a couple of different ways, because for me, when I say that fear is the absence of an adequate object of worship, what I define worship as is that person, place, or thing that I'm willing to give my life up for. You've talked about, or you've heard me talk about faith and how we always place our faith in a person, place, or thing that we believe holds out promise for our greatest reward. Well, that person, place, or thing that we believe holds out promise for our greatest reward is most likely the object of our worship. And worship is not just a church word. You say, no, I don't believe that. Well, let me give you an idea. Many of you listening to this podcast worship your careers. You worship your bank account. You worship your possessions. And as a matter of fact, oftentimes you fear losing those things. Therefore, you don't try something new or something that holds out maybe a greater opportunity And oftentimes that object of worship keeps you doing what is practical and tried and true. So what I mean by saying fear is the absence of an adequate object of worship. It's talking about something that is so small, it restricts you or it's not big enough to expand you. So when I look at my own life and and you, you look at teachings out of the seven habits of highly effective people or other teachings that drive you to find an adequate center and an adequate core of your life. That's why it's, it's not wise to make the center of your life career. It's not wise to make the center of your life family. It's not wise to make the object of your worship, to say it another way, your children. It has to be something bigger. As a matter of fact, let me talk about children, because some of us are very, very kid-centric. Actually, the, the object of our worship is our kids. We do everything for our children. Rather than having a bigger purpose in life that we point our kids to, because they also see that in our lives. And what, lead, what it leads us to do is to protect and to overprotect and even helicopter Our children, we operate out of fear. Uh, Let me tell you a story about that. Years ago, when our children were very, very young, we were living in in, in Louisville, Kentucky, and I had a very, very strong fear related to the health and well-being and safety of my kids. And I know that those of you who are listening are like, well, that's, you should have that. To the point, though, that when they would go outside to play, I would be fearful, so fearful that I would hurry and run outside and I would make sure everything was okay, even though I knew the environment was okay. And, and my precious wife, she asked me one day, she said, why are you so fearful and why are you so wound up about our kids' safety? And here was the kicker statement, and this speaks to our object of our worship. She says, don't you know that when we're doing all that we can do, our Heavenly Father loves our children and will protect our children more than we can love them 
and more than we can protect them. And therefore, what she pointed me back to was an adequate object of worship, which was our Christian faith and our Heavenly Father and our life with the Lord Jesus Christ, rather than an inordinate fear of losing something, in this place, children. This is a very hard thing to understand if you don't think about it deeply. But we are driven to fear if the center and core of our life is not big enough to combat the fear. If it is not big enough to combat the fear of doubt, if it is not big enough to combat the fear of worry. So you have to ask yourself, what am I worshiping in my life? And is it big enough to drive inordinate fear out of my life? So again, fear is the absence of an adequate object of worship, or if you prefer, because of your faith convictions, an adequate and large enough center to your life. So here's number eight. Fear stymies creativity. And stymie might not be a word that you use today. I'll put it this way. Fear really slows down creativity. Fear inhibits creativity. Fear often just stops creativity. And let me tell you a couple of stories about this. I was reading not too long ago about a, um, oh, what's the name of the organization? It's not Walt Disney World, it's Pixar. And I was reading uh, uh, an interview from one of the Pixar artists, and it was interesting. He said, every animated movie we do starts out terrible. And the example he used was the movie Ratatouille. He said, when we started looking at Ratatouille, it was the worst possible script and worst possible idea most of us had ever seen. Now, you may not be a fan of Ratatouille, but it's not a bad movie. It's actually quite entertaining. But they kept driving through the creativity, and they did not fear failure. Let me give you another story and then make this even more personal. I was sitting next to my grandson in church this past Sunday, and he had a notebook with, you know, just filled with paper. So he was, because all of us think we take our kids to church and they pay attention, but really they're just drawing it in their own world. And he's filling page after page after page with creative drawings. And he shows me each drawing and he shows me with great excitement the results of his creativity. And there's no part of him that is fearful of being made fun of or losing in his creativity. Now, take that to the third example. Many of us can remember a long, long time ago, or maybe you can't remember a long time ago. Maybe you watch children or grandchildren and you see how creative they are. They dance for you. They play for you. They draw for you. But as time goes by, we become fearful of rejection. We become fearful of failure. And therefore, our creativity slows down. And so anytime that we find ourselves being fearful of failing, you can guarantee that our creativity is going down. And the opportunity for our growth and the benefit for others is going down as well. That is why it is so important in our places of work and in our places of giving our lives away in service. Whenever we're in meetings, we have to create an environment where creativity can thrive and the fear of failure is done away with. Because fear stymies creative thinking. Fear stymies creativity. So there's your four for this podcast. Again, fear seeks certainty. It wants the sure thing and oftentimes will miss something greater because of a fear of failure. 
The next one was how fear often defaults to the practical, the way we've always done things, the tried and the true and the data. And I reminded you, you should ask questions. You should see if something is practical. Maybe the tried and true way is the right way to do something. But you also have to be aware and personally aware to know, am I not moving down this road because of fear or am I really taking the advice of the practical? We talked about how fear is the absence of an adequate object of worship or fear being the absence of a large enough, adequate enough center for our lives to revolve around. And finally, we talked about how fear will stymie and stop creativity, which is such an important part of our lives. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this No Neutral Moments podcast. Next next week, I'll finish this up. We'll do 9, 10, 11, and 12, and then we'll see what's going to happen with the future podcast after that. Thank you so much for listening. Please continue to forward this podcast on to your friends and your family and your work associates as we continue just to grow this podcast because of your generosity and because of your audience. We thank you so much. God bless you. And until next time, remember, there are no neutral moments.